Thank y'all so much. Yo, it's, it feels good to be with people who know how to worship the Lord and to just sing his praises because of his faithfulness. As I was, when we were in worship, I was just listening and looking and singing, and, and, and we switched between hymns and more contemporary worship. But like it reminded me of the fact that we have a historic faith. Right? And so we can we have this cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, that, that, that are cheering us on because God has given us this time. And we can remember that we have this legacy of faithfulness as we push into push forward what God is doing in and through us today. So it was such a beautiful opportunity to be in worship with you all this morning. I want to keep and stay in that same spirit with you all. Um, this morning I'll be preaching from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. Um, I have the privilege of, um, Pastor Rob asked me to preach this morning, and so I'm so grateful um, for him to ask me to preach this morning. We have enjoyed our time at uh, Puffin Baptist Church, so thank you all for allowing us to worship with you this morning. He's already uh, pointed out that my wife and my daughter are here. Cedric and the Young Life team and members of my team, they're here. So thank y'all for coming, my father and my mother and sister. So it's, it's always good to have friendly faces in the place. But, you know, you all faces are so friendly and beautiful. Um, so it's good to worship together. Let's pray. Um, and then we'll jump into our message for today. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing of your faithfulness that transcends every season, Father God. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it's fall, winter, spring, or summer. God, you are faithful in every season of our lives, Lord. And you have proven time and time again that you, God, are good. And that it's your goodness and mercy that continues to chase us down, Father God, and overwhelm us, Father God. So we, Lord, as we just engage your word, Lord, as we listen to what you have to say to us this morning, Father God, I pray we would do it all in light of the work that you've been doing in us and through us as your people, as a community, God, of believers that have been called out and set apart, Father God, by your name, Lord. Would you speak God, because your children want to hear what you have to say, Father God. I pray that you get all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, and all the adoration. In your magnificent and mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so yes, I know when I said Matthew 6, 1 through 18, you're like, well, surely he's not going to preach on that entire passage of scripture. I am. <laughs> I am. And I'm going to, I'm even going to read it for you all, but I promise you we'll all be better forward. All right, Matthew 6. So I'll be out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible this morning. First one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Say amen. 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 Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. 
When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the thing you know you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Say amen. Amen. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive. So their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Say amen again. Amen. 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 All right, I want to open this passage up with two quotes, two quotes from two different men at different times. The first one comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his book, Shrimp to Love. He says this, the gospel at its best deals with the whole man, not only with his soul, but also with his body, not only with his spiritual well-being, but also with his material well-being. A religion that professes a concern for the souls of men and is not equally concerned about the slums that condemn them, the economic conditions that strangle them, and the social conditions that cripple them is a spiritually more bound religion. Yes. The next quote comes from Peter Scazzaro in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. He says, who, are, who you are is more important than what you do. Why? Because the love of Jesus in you is the greatest gift you can give to others. Who you are as a person, and specifically how well you love, will always have a larger and longer impact on those around you than what you do. Amen. You being with God, or your lack of being with God, will trump eventually your doing for God every time. We cannot give what we do not possess. We cannot help but give what we do possess. I want to title this message for you all this morning. Take off the mask. Take off the mask. So in this section of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus transitioned, he turns his attention to our relationship with God and how that relationship should play out in public. Jesus teaches us that there must be a secret depth to our relationship with the Father. That our relationship with the Father should be, should be centered on knowing God. Amen. That our relationship with the Father should be centered on obeying God. That our relationship with the Father should be to the praise of His glory and not our own praise. That both that, that in our giving, in our praying, and in our fasting, we are to do it to the one who sees in secret but rewards us openly. Here, Jesus is contrasting the difference between somebody who has an authentic relationship with God that is rooted in humility and in obedience and someone who has a hypocritical, man-facing relationship that is all about them being publicly recognized by others. Jesus is telling us that those who do things only for the approval of others, they have no relationship with God at all. Amen. 
So throughout this passage, we'll see that Jesus is teaching us how to follow him. And how he's teaching us how to have a relationship with him that is rooted in a secret place. That is rooted in a private place with him. A relationship that includes us being still in solitude before God. A relationship that seeks to know God first before we seek to be known by others. Jesus is teaching us that there is power in being with him in a private place and there is power that spills over out of that place into public. So as we transition into this passage, let's look at how Jesus teaches us how to cultivate a deep relationship with him that goes beyond the applause of men. My first point, give. When we give, we give to God. And when we do so, we do it in secret. Jesus teaches his disciples in this sermon that they are not to do their righteousness before others. That they are not to give to others so that they can get some benefit from it, but they are to give to others so that they may glorify God. Pastor Paul spoke about this when he was introducing me, that this church is giving a lot. This church has opened up its building and has opened up relationships and said, hey, we want to be a blessing. We want to give what God has given us to help further faithful and fruitful ministry in this community, in Huffman and in Northeast Birmingham. That is the type of giving that God, that, that is produced in the lives of those who are following Jesus. That giving is beautiful. It's beautiful because the gospel says, the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. And when we say, say yes to Jesus, to go on assignment with him and to take his gospel on a mission and open up our lives and what he has given us to others, that is beautiful. But it's also benevolent. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about how we give to the poor. Or how we give to the needy. But I want to flip it a little bit because I want to look at it from the standpoint of how we give to a neighbor. How do we give to those that God has brought near to us? Jesus said that this greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so it is nothing more beautiful. And no more benevolent, when you say yes to Jesus to open up your heart and your arms and what is in your hands and in your possession for him to use for his glory. And it's also bountiful. Really, I just need another beef for my liberation. And it worked because this is a big deal. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, you know, as we approach this work together, let's listen to what Jesus has to say to us. Because he's teaching us how we are to give in a way that pleases God. Not in a way that makes us proud or arrogant, but in a way that brings glory to his name. Not that men can be praised, but that God can be praised. Now, this is not the time for us as brothers and sisters as we enter into this relationship together to go and sing and shout about the work that we are doing, that we are able to bring some black people and some white people together to further the mission in this community. Amen. Now is the time to dig into the work that God is doing, to put our hands to the plow, 
and not look back. Amen. Now is the time to pray and to labor to see God's kingdom come in this community. To see God's will be done in this community. To give and make no mention of it. To give and know that God sees it. To give and know that in your giving, you are giving to God and not to men. Now, that is important. Because that word, hypocrite, in the scripture, means someone that's play acting. Someone that puts a mask on and then does a show. Someone that's out here for performance sake. And so what Jesus is saying, look, you can give your gift. And your gift can produce whatever result you want it to produce. Your gift can produce God's results or it can produce your results. You can give your gift and then sing about all that we've done. And that's all we get is the applause of others. Or we can give our gifts and God gets all the glory from it. How do we give? What spirit do we have when God leads us to share bountifully with our brothers and our sisters? Jesus teaches us, do it authentically. Do it unto God. Not for the praise of others, but for the praise of God. Amen. Second point. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5-15, through 15, our point is, God is not impressed with your words, but he can be moved by them. That is important to learn. That our words don't impress God, but our words can move God. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray by first teaching them how not to pray. Jesus says, don't pray like the hypocrites, those who are pretending and acting, who pray in public to receive the attention and praise of people. Why? Because they're just putting on a show for others. Jesus teaches us that when we use a bunch of impressive words seeking attention, we're not ultra-spiritual. They're just empty and vain. <coughs> Jesus also teaches us, I don't know if y'all know anybody like this, but he teaches us not to pray preach. You know anybody that pray preaches? Right? So they're really not talking to God, they're more so talking to the people that in their audience are generally around them. Right? <laughs> so we're going to, I'm going to preach, I'm going to pray while I preach, but I'm not going to pray preach. Right? So, so that means when you know you're in a circle and somebody got someone, can y'all just pray for me? And you're like, yeah, we'll pray for you. And somebody goes on a tangent like, you know, Lord bless Sister Jenkins, I know she, she ain't acting like right, Lord, but bless her, you know. That type of prayer. <laughs> don't, don't pray for me. Pray for God. <laughs> Jesus also tells them that when you pray, go into your closet, that private place. Find you a secret place where you can be alone with God. Find you a place when it's just you and God and you can pour your heart out before him. So all the concerns, all the cares, all the weights of this world, all the things that come and eat at us on a day in day out basis, he invites us to come before him. Not so that men uh, can see and you can, they can see how spiritual you are, but so that you can really roll off that burden that you carry to God. Amen. He invites us when we see things, when he opens our eyes to see 
the devastation that is taking place in our world, the pain in our community, when, when he invites us to see the changes going on around us, it's an invitation to pray. He invites us into a loving, authentic, real relationship, a place of secret where we can take off the mask that we so easily put on in this world where we are known by God and where we know God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there is no more beautiful invitation in all the world than God to say, come, yep. I want to meet with you. I'll speak with you. I've torn down the veil that once separated the two of us, and now you can know me. I know you. He invites us to stop hiding. He invites us to stop pretending. Stop lying to ourselves. Stop lying to others. Be sincere. Take off the mask. Don't be a hypocrite. Because as I read this, it read me more than I read it. Come on. As I read this, I couldn't help but to be moved by God and to pray. And this is what I prayed. I, I tried to follow. This is what Jesus was inviting us into. And I wanted to follow him into that. Um, I, I thought about how Jesus modeled this for his disciples when they didn't even know he was modeling it for them. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where Jesus rose up early, he went off to a desolate place. Like, can you imagine going off to a desolate place to pray? Like when it's cold, I need a warm place to pray. And when it's hot, I need, a, I need a nice, cool place to pray. I can't be too hot or too cold. My prayers are like Goldilocks, right? I gotta find the right spot to pray. I can't really be too uncomfortable. But Jesus went out to a desolate place. But no, it took a long time for his disciples to find him. He wanted to get away from everybody, all the distractions, so that he can go out and be his friend. But the beauty of that is, in another passage of scripture, Jesus lays this same pattern of crowd for us. And he does so after his disciples say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. I, I want to do that. Like that's, that's what I want. Because when you go away and you get with your daddy oh. and you come back, things are different. Like we have never seen anybody do the things that you do. We want we want to see God respond the way he responds to you. We want to know God the way the Father, the way that you know him. Will you teach us that? Jesus, there was something so attractive about what Jesus was modeling and doing. Beloved, is that same thing true of us? Is our relationship with Jesus attractive to those who don't know him? Is our relationship with Jesus attractive to those who may just be walking with him? Do we pray first about something? Do we speak first about something? So this is the way, and I love it. We have a member of our team, right? On our Elevate team. Whenever this brother prays, it's like you're being let in on this like secret, intimate relationship. And, and it's like, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's like PDA, right? Public displays of affection. Right? When what's in private spills over into public, right? Because somebody is so in love with the person that they can't help but to demonstrate and express that love in public. Y'all get what I'm saying? Right? So our relationship with Jesus 
ought to be the same way. That we are so in love. He has moved our heart. We have been reminded of his faithfulness. We've been reminded of his goodness. We've seen how he's chased us down. We've seen how he's come after us time and time again. And we can't help but to sing his praise and to give him glory wherever we go. Amen. Yeah. That is the type of relationship Jesus is talking about. And so he says this. Don't pray like this. I'm so grateful he, he didn't stop there. He said, don't pray like this. But he know I'm a little slow. So he needs to say, Danny, I need you to pray like this. Right? So don't, because we think the absence of doing one thing is the presence of doing something else. Jesus is like, no, you cannot pray like this and you don't do nothing. So I need you to know this is how you move the Father's heart. So He says this. How many of us are familiar with this, right? We've said it over and over. We know it. But Jesus says, I want you to pray in this pattern. Our Father in heaven. Pause. There's something so beautiful about that because Jesus immediately transports us to the fact that we, he's just not our Father, which he is our Father. He's, our, he's my Father individually, but he's our Father collectively. Because God's work is not limited to just me. Yep. God's work is not just limited to what he's doing in my one location or space. God's work is, 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 is universal. So God is working all over this world in North America, in South America, in Africa, in Asia, in, 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 um, in, in Antarctica. And, and, and he's working in, uh, I couldn't remember the other, Australia, there you go. All right, so God is working, right? That's what it's geography. All right. God is working. He's working all over the place. He's working in this community. He's working in communities all over this city. He wants us to pause and recognize the fact that he is at work beyond us. Amen. And see that he is our collective father. Yes. That we have brothers and sisters that we may never meet, but they exist and we'll stand with them one day in heaven singing holy, holy, holy to the one Lord and one God and singing how precious he is. We have people from every tribe, nation, tongue. He is working and he wants us when we approach him to recognize that work. But he also says, your name be honored as holy. Yo, it took me a long time to truly understand that commandment that says, um, thou shalt not take the Lord your God name in vain. A long time to really understand that passage. But then it hit me one day, maybe to study it or maybe it doesn't work. like, let me, let me just give it to you. Right? That God's name reflects and reveals his nature and his character. Amen. And so whenever we name the name of Christ, it should mean something. Yep. Yeah. Whenever we identify ourselves with Jesus, it should mean something. Yeah. And so Jesus is teaching us, right? You, this is the difference between when you take the mask off, you're saying, This is my true identity. I'm no longer going to live in shame and hiding anymore. I'm gonna take that mask off and not live as a hypocrite who says one thing and pursues something else, right? That's the, hip, hypocrisy isn't me saying one thing and doing something else. All of us will be hypocrites because none of us do the right thing perfectly every time. Hip, hypocrisy is saying one thing and pursuing something completely different, right? And so, and so when he says, your name be honored as holy, Jesus is inviting us to pause and to reflect and ask the Holy Spirit what in my life is keeping your name from being honored as holy. Mm. Y'all had to pray that before. I've had to pray that and the Lord started bringing names to my mind and my heart. Folks, I got offense with. 
Folks, I've been carrying stuff with him. He's like, you know, if you want to honor my name as holy, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with these broken relationships. You need to deal with that offense. You need to let somebody know that you forgive them. You need to ask for forgiveness from somebody. And Jesus moves on and says, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we need the kingdom. And straight up, we need God's kingdom. It is not enough for us to set up our little kingdoms. We need the kingdom that is transcended, God's righteous rule. We need God's way of doing things where our greatest allegiance is to his kingdom and not this kingdom. Yep. Amen. Where he gets the final say because he is the king that the one that determines the direction of our lives. And so whatever he says, my highest yes belongs to him. We need more of that. We need more of his will being done. We need more of, of people to say yes to Jesus, to follow him and walk in his ways. And why does he want us to pray this? Because it's not being done enough. He invites us into this. He invites us into what he wants and asks us to pray for it. Yes. He wants it to be done on earth as it is in heaven, Huffman as it is in heaven, and Northeast Roebuck as it is in heaven. He wants it in Birmingham, and in, in, in Jefferson County, in Alabama, in the United States. That is what he wants his kingdom to invade. He says, give us today our daily bread. They get that theme R. We're a community of people. Truth is, so many of us can struggle with praying this because we our, our, our needs aren't necessarily pressing. Right? So some of us probably don't struggle with hunger. So when we say pray, like I believe Jesus is like really literal here. Like pray that God would provide what you need for today. Amen. And so, but he invites us in. Well, maybe you got your needs met. Well, good. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Easter. Because we're a community. We're a family. So pray that our Father would meet our daily needs. Yes. Yes. And then when we see that he's calling us into that, to go out and to share what he has given with us to others, say yes. Remember that he has given it to you freely. Share it with others freely. Amen. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Whew. Jesus saying, we're all in need, y'all. Every single one of us are in need of his forgiveness. This calls to mind when Jesus talks about forgiving and the government to justify itself. He said, so what do you mean by forgiving? Jesus is like, well, I'm glad you asked. And he gives the parable of one guy who owed a whole lot of money and another guy who owed to, to a ruler, and another guy who owed a little bit of money to his brother. And he talks about how God, how the ruler forgave the man when he couldn't repay him. But then he went out, began to beat, choke, slap his brother who could never, who could, who could have repaid him if he would have given him time, and throws him in jail. Now the rest of the story. The ruler calls him back in and say, you wicked servant. He throws him and his whole family in jail. That's tough. I just showed you how just God really is. But that's what he calls us into. I have forgiven you of things that nobody even knows about. Yep. 
I have forgiven you and been faithful to you when you were unfaithful. And I'm calling you to release your brother or your sister. To release them. That's what he did for us. He, he, he released those debts and put them on Jesus and no longer counts them against us. And he calls us, brothers and sisters, to do the same thing. And he says this, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Spurgeon says that right here, this is our plea to God that, yeah, we're sinners. Keep us from going into more sin. Just plain, God, keep us, keep, get us out of our own way. We know you're not the one tempting us. Help us to stay out of our own way and deliver us from the one who, First John says, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Yes. Deliver us from him. Deliver us from the one who we were once in darkness, but you snatched us out of that darkness and placed us in light. And he teaches us to pray like that, to approach him. And so we don't necessarily have to quote this just in, in, in the way it's written, but pray in that manner. Approach God in that manner as an individual with the collective community on your heart and your mind. And finally, point three, fasting. Matthew 6, 16 through 8, 6 through 8, Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, about fasting. My point is we fast unto God to free the oppressed. We fast unto God to free the oppressed. Jesus assumes that he has modeled, he has modeled for his disciples that they will fast. And I do not believe that fasting is one of those things that are voluntary. Now I know that's good, there's room to disagree on this. Right? And I'm not saying it's, it's descriptive or prescriptive. What I'm saying is that we see that Jesus modeled what it looked like to, to pull away for a season to seek the Father. And I think the best passage that we can close this on is Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 speaks to us about what does it mean to fast for real, that in a way that pleases God, in a way that only draws attention to ourselves. And I believe that Jesus is pointing to that same thing. He says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Isaiah 58 tells us, Right? Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel and he says to them, is this the fast that the Lord has chosen? Did, did God choose a fast for you just to abstain from eating, to do religious activity and still oppress people? To still treat them like they're less than human? Is that the fast that God chose? No, that's just dieting. <laughs> the fast that God chose, the fast that God chose is the fast where we pull away, we abstain from something. We seek God, but then we invite our brother in. It talks about sharing our bread with our brother or sister. It talks about helping to loose the bond of oppression. It talks about seeking to do justice for those who are oppressed. It talks about restoring those ancient ruins. It talks about seeing clearly. So fasting helps us when we're doing it unto God. It helps us get clear vision on what God is doing and saying. Because what it does is it empties us of us and fills us more with the Spirit. Yeah. 
Jesus invites us in that. And it helps us to take that mask off. To no longer live as the hypocrites who sing one thing but pursue something else, but to live authentically before God. Y'all, as I said, as I read this, as I prayed about this passage, it, it spoke to my heart deeply. It moved me. And my only response was that of Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, where the songwriter said this. Search me, oh God. Yeah, yeah. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Brothers and sisters, that's my prayer for, prayer for us. Yeah. That we would all take time to get along and get with God and ask him to search me. Search us to know our heart, to test it, to try it, to see if there be any wicked thing in us. And that he would lead us in his way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the word. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have delivered a perfect pattern for us to follow. God, you have given us an invitation to walk in your ways. And God, I thank you, Lord, for those who are here who have said yes to you. Generations of faithfulness, Father God, fill this room right now. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, that we have a legacy of faith. We have a legacy, Father God, of knowing that you are faithful through every season. God, we have a legacy of knowing, God, that you call us into deep, authentic, real relationship with you where we can cease from hiding, cease from running, take off the mask, Father God, and live holy unto you. God, you called us, Lord, by your name. God, you set us apart. You brought us into community, into a family of different ethnicities, different hues, different backgrounds, Father God, but we are one I pray, Father God, that we would heed your word and say yes to you. God, we bless you. We praise you.